From Wacko Chaco Studio, I'm Ashwin Chaco, and this is The Fruitful Life Show, a show about the business of creativity and the stories behind the creators that have made their dreams a reality. Hey folks, welcome to The Fruitful Life, the amazing Jason Nyler. Hi, Jason. What's up, man? Thanks so much for joining me today. Ah, uh, dude, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, for our audience that might not know you, please introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm an artist and and designer, and um, I'm based in Brooklyn. My work is very colorful, and it focuses on messages and themes that are all based on positivity and joy and kindness and spreading love and some of my work is typographic. Um, it's a little more on the, on, the, on the design side of things. And some of my work is more on the, in the art world and kind of fine art. And um, I do a lot of large scale public work, um, murals, street art, stuff like that. And I've kind of, I guess I'm kind of known for my very colorful, like fluorescent um, public art. And that's kind of like where my heart lives. You know, I I, I love doing public artwork. And so that's kind of like the path that I've taken and it's, it's opened up a lot of opportunities. I met cool people and like, I've traveled a lot and painted or, you know, around the country and a little bit, a little bit outside of the U S even. And, and um, it's been a cool journey. So yeah, man, that's, that's me. Awesome. Well, I can't wait to dig into your journey and how you got to where you are today. But uh, the first question I like to ask all my guests is if you were a fruit, what fruit would it be and why? <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's funny. Um, never been asked that question. Well, I guess, I don't know. I mean, maybe a lemon. <laughs> okay, good. That, that's the first lemon I've got so far, so that's good. <laughs> okay, but here's the thing. I guess, like, this is funny because as I, because I like lemon, you know, so I'm like, hmm. But, I, like, now that I'm talking about it, now that we're here, I'm like, I don't know that lemon really suits me the best because I'm like, lemon is sour, but I like lemon when it's made into something sweet. Like, I had these lemon bars the other night at this show, and anyway, I so, saw, like, I like lemon things, but I'm like, maybe I'm more of a sweeter fruit, you know, but like <laughs> with like, maybe like, I don't know, man. Okay. I let's, you know what, let's change it from lemon to like, um, how about raspberry? Cause raspberry mm. is like, it sweet, still has that tartness. Like a, it has a tart. Yeah. yeah. And then it also has a good color and I love like pinks and, you know, so let's, let's do raspberry. Okay. First raspberry as well. The of that. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, I love it. So tell me a little bit more about you. Like, were you always creative when you were a kid? Like, what got you on the creative path you're on today? Did you want to be a painter, yeah. artist, you know? Yeah, man. I I've, I, I have always been creative. Um, my mom is an artist and she's amazing. She does like landscapes and portraits and so she, she always encouraged, you know, like the, and I come from a very artistic family. So like my siblings and I, like, especially my brothers, like there was a lot of painting and drawing and like making shit. And um, my mom would always encourage that. And like, um, even like in elementary school, I would, she would find like contests for me to enter. And like, you know, she was a big um, promoter. So um I've always done it. I've always did. I always took art classes. I always um, did well in art classes, you know, and like I, I, 
I think it was sort of like I meant to be like, I didn't really have a choice, but I did. I went to school and studied graphic design um, thinking like this will be a path where I can do something that's artistic or creative and still make a living, you know? And so I, I went to the university for, for the graphic design and then I worked as a graphic designer for five years um, for Mac cosmetics, a beauty brand. And it was, that was cool and amazing and exciting, like at the time. And then it evolved into me being like, I can't, like, I don't want to go sit at a computer every day and, and like do things for other people, you know? And so, you know, over the course of the five years doing the design work, like in-house for this company, I started to like develop this taste for, I was doing a lot of like environmental graphics and stuff. And I developed this taste for like the scale and I wanted to do my own work, wanted to put my name at the bottom of the page, you know, like, and so I quit my job. And then that's been, now it's been 12 years of me, like trying to figure out how to make money, just doing my own shit, you know, and which has been <laughs> amazing. It's such a good journey, like, but it's, you know, it's tough. It's a, it's a hustle. Oh yeah, totally, totally. And like, uh, what's sort of the first step that you went down? Because I mean, I think there's a lot of freelancers or potential freelancers, people in your position, in the position I was in when I was doing graphic design, I was like, I want to break out. What sort of like propelled it to where it is now? Well, like, you mean after I quit, after I quit yeah, my yeah. job? Yeah, like, like what was the first step you took to be confident enough to quit? Because a lot of people have like a fear around, you know, oh crap, yeah. if, I, if I quit this, then, you know, like my life will be unstable and, uh, you know, all those like pressures that money has. And so like money, money the man. confidence <laughs> to say it's okay. Yeah, dude, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think so. I, I had some good advice from people like I for like a year leading up to actually quitting. I was like trying to figure out how it worked. And I remember like I so I the office where I worked was in Soho in New York. And Soho, if you, you know, if you don't know what that means, it's like a very fashionable neighborhood. And like it's a lot of like um like the like Prada and Gucci and like all the all the high-end fashion stores are there and like a lot of cool people like hanging out and and I would go to lunch and like get my sandwich or whatever right and there'd be just people like hanging out on the street like or like standing outside of a bar or whatever in the middle of the day you know and I'm and I'd be like for so long I was like what do these people do like how do they not how are they just not at work they're just standing around like wearing fancy fashionable clothes and like looking <laughs> cool and like you know and I it was my dream and so then uh, I had a couple of friends that were freelance. One of my friends is a photographer and, and he had, he had like, he was, he's a, has a great business and like super successful and busy. And, and it was, but it's like half the time he was just hanging out. He was like walking his dog and like, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, dude, like, how, like, how do you, how do you get there? So anyway, um, long story short, I, I, I really wanted to like be freelance and like have my own like autonomy. And I, talked to a couple of people who did and the big sort of like common the, the common piece of advice was like you got to have enough money to live for for x amount of time and a lot of people are like oh you got to have enough money to live for a year live for six months and and i basically had saved up a money uh, enough money to live for six months and it's like because even if you quit your job and i was freelancing too so like i knew i had stuff to do but even if you're freelancing and like and busy it might take six months to get paid yes you know yeah. 
which is ridiculous, but like, <laughs> that's part of it. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so I, so one of the big things was, um, you got to have like at least six months of money saved. Right. And then the other thing that kind of gave me courage was worst case scenario. And I liked, I talked to some recruiters and everything and it's like, worst case scenario, you just go get another job. You know, like yeah. it's, it's yeah. never a bad look yeah. to like take a year off and do something else. Right. And so, and all the recruiters were like, if you, if you want to be freelance, like you can still do work with like brands and agencies and studios like they need freelancers all the time and i didn't understand that at the time really either mm. so it kind of gave me this like all right like i've got some money i worst case i can just go get another job but in the meantime like i guess i can like help out with like other design studios and agencies if they need it while i'm trying to figure out how to like do my art and at that time i i thought i was going to be more of an illustrator yeah. you know i was like i don't want to do graphics i want to like illustrate and that's a super tough business so like <laughs> Over time, I realized like, actually what I love doing is painting murals, you know, and yeah. and not illustrating because illustrating, it's like, you're just drawing a picture of what someone needs. You're not drawing a picture of what's in your heart, you know? <laughs> so yeah. anyway, yeah, now I'm, now I'm rambling about it, but I think the, the advice is like, you got to have some money in the bank, believe in yourself that like, you know, you can do it. And worst case, like plan B, you just can get another job. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. And um, so the other thing I've found that as a freelancer is that initially when you're working at, as a designer, you're doing one job, all you're doing is designing, right? And then you become a freelancer and you realize, actually, I'm doing like 10 jobs now. I'm my own PR agent. I'm doing my admin. I'm doing all these things. Um, how did you come to terms with understanding the business aspects of running your own business as it were and then also personal branding and how important that is well yeah i mean that's a good that's like a good topic because the it's like a crash course you know there's no it's there's no really way to like learn that stuff um i mean there are resources obviously like and i i found some stuff online i think but i kind of just had to figure everything out and like <laughs> you know like learning how to like invoice and you know and at the time, like we would, we didn't have like Zoom meetings. Like I was like all the time, like just like on the train, like going to, <laughs> like going to have a meeting with somebody or whatever. And like it, you spend, and then you realize you spend so much time like on all the other shit. And yeah. then when do you actually like draw or paint or make anything or design anything? You know, it's like so such a small part of it. So I don't know. I I think I think I had to just like stumble through it all, and and now I kind of have like a rhythm of it, you know. And now. um, I have an agent, so I don't do any of it anymore. <laughs> okay. But like, <laughs> that's another thing too, because you can't just stumble out of your job and like into having an agent very yeah, easily. Yeah. So it's like, you could kind of got to learn all that stuff first, you know? And, well, re relinquishing control to people who can do that aspect is part of the learning curve I found. Because like for myself as well, I felt like I had to do it all. And then I was like, you know, actually it's worth investing in a good accountant. So I don't have to deal with the headache of doing the taxes, yeah. even though I had to learn how to do it to a level and then having yeah. somebody to just manage that meant, okay, that's one thing off my plate. And then right. slowly learning to, okay, we can trust these people, hire these people to do different aspects of it so that it's not like all that other junk is not there preventing you from actually doing the stuff you wanted to do in the first place, which is create mm -hmm. and make and all the rest of that. So true. Yeah. 
Yeah. And relinquishing, that's a good word. Like relinquishing control is difficult. You have to learn how to do that. And especially like once you kind of master like doing everything for yourself, then it is hard to let go, you know? Yeah. And for me, like I found that even having an agent, like, um, like not being a part of client conversations until it's a creative brief, you know, like that was really hard for me. Cause I was, I was used to like selling myself on like getting the work, you know? And like, and now it's, now it's like, I, 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 and I, dude, I've like let go so much that now I'm like, I don't even want to know, like, I don't even want to hear anything or like talk to anybody until there's a creative brief, you know, like, (laughs) I mean, obviously I want to talk to my agent, but like, I don't, I'm like, I don't, I don't, I like, whatever. It doesn't, doesn't matter what they want to say. Like I, all I want to do is like, let's get the job booked. And then I want to hear the creative. I want to speak to the creative director and like hear the brief, you know, I, because I'm like, why do I, why why do I have to sit on the zoom meetings all day? Like, I don't, I don't want to do that. <laughs> but I've I like I've learned to get here. Like this was a process. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Of course. Yeah. It's realizing what is most important for you, and you know, mm-hmm. sometimes we can get caught up on the control aspect rather than the, you know, the area that we really will flourish in, which is the creative. Right. And you know, it's like I had a conversation with a friend the other day that has a small agency. Um, it's like maybe a three or four person studio and he he was talking about how he actually um is more of a business person i mean he's a designer right but he but he's more of a business person than than a creator and so he actually thrives on doing the admin and like um selling the clients and like running the studio and managing the people and like he would and so we were kind of talking about how like what it's you know within this like creative business that we're all in different people have their strengths and and the things that they enjoy more and and it was funny because i'm like dude like i don't want to i don't want to do anything but create like i you know if i can just be in a vacuum and like do do the creative work and then have time to like go ride my motorcycle and hang out and relax and then i'll then i do better creative work like if if i can just have that it's amazing and he and he was like you know it's funny like he's like if i don't if i can like not have to design anything if i can just talk all day and have everyone else do all the all the creating then that's my perfect day and i'm like but it's but we're both we're all all doing the same shit you know sounds like the dream partnership (laughs) i know i know he's great he he lives in another city but yeah. yeah um but uh, let's move back a little because you said you did certain things so that you could attract an agent. And I think that's mm-hmm. a question a lot of illustrators and artists are trying to figure out, how do I get an agent? What was your yeah. sort of thinking behind it, your strategic choices around it? Yeah, um, it's a funny, like, it's like a chicken egg, you know, it's like, you, because you can't, it's like, you don't really need an agent even though it sounds dreamy to have one, you don't really need an agent until you've built your own business to the place where it's like a thriving business and you kind of don't have time to do the business stuff anymore because you have too much work, right? Yeah. But then on the other hand, you think that that having an agent will get you to that spot, you know? And so the truth is like an agent, like agents, they do bring you work, you know, but for the most part, you bring yourself work by bringing attention to yourself and, and having a consistent like brand and, and identity and, and all that. Right. So like, it's like, once you sort of build yourself into this place where your work is recognizable, people know what you're doing, you're bringing attention to yourself and you're doing work that's consistent and recognizable and good, obviously, um, which is subjective, but like, then, then you're at a place where an agent might 
like see that you're busy and be like, you know, we, we want to help you out. And so I think if, you know, if the advice for like, if people are seeking and seeking representation, you, you can reach out to people, you know, mm. but generally, and I was doing that actually for a long time, like hitting up agents. And, and it was always like, oh, your work is nice. You know, and some would give me advice like, oh, this, try this, or maybe more of this, you know, but for the most part, they're like, oh, your work is nice. We're not, we're not looking for any more artists yeah. at this time you know like so you kind of, it's like you, it's a little bit of a dead end to try and reach out and so i think um and obviously it's like knowing people um if you know someone who's represented yeah. by an agency that's a fit like ask them for a connection like that's probably a better way to go sure um but i think i think the move really is like don't focus on getting rep representation focus on bringing attention to yourself and your work by doing consistent work you know yeah. and like you know, it's, it's nice because we have social media, we have Insta, we have TikTok, like, you know, 10 years ago, you didn't have like such an easy way to bring attention to yourself and your work. And now it's like, you, you know, you can run your own business without an agent, but for those who want them, I mean, it is nice having someone do all the contracts and all the talking. So, you know, I think it, it, it can be a helpful thing for certain people, but it's not, it's not the, it's not the end all be all. And it definitely doesn't necessarily like get you more work or make you more money. Yeah. Yeah. I actually had an, I got an agent earlier on, but it wasn't the right agent and it didn't really help me. It was kind of like a waste of time uh, Yeah, in both, in both directions because he, that agent had like so many other artists. I don't even know how he had the time to represent them all. And so mm -hmm. it didn't really make sense, but now I have an agent for my children's books. And that mm -hmm. is okay. super helpful because that's a different world from what I'm used to, which is like advertisement and design. And I know people within that realm. I don't know anybody in publishing and their systems are like how they do things is very different. And so having uh -huh. an agent who can negotiate those sorts of contracts and all the little, you know, little sub clauses in there <laughs> is super handy for me. So I think it's, yep. it's learning where they're relevant and, how that's going to affect your specific career and the direction you want to head in. And again, mm -hmm. I didn't get the agent until I had actually got like three contracts of my own. And then the agents reach out on their own because they're like, oh, we see potential there, you know? So I find yeah. more often than not, you have to like prove your worth. And then the agent comes on and says, we'll help you keep doing that. You know? Yeah. That's, that's well put. Yeah. I, that's, I agree with that. I think that's, that's the way it generally works. And, and, you know, if you think about it, that makes the most sense, you know, it's, um, cause if all artists were just asking for someone to rep them, then it's like, well, yeah, we can, if they were to, if, you know, if they were all to be like, yeah, we can rep you, but like, nothing's going to change, you know, like if you're not bringing in work, then it's yeah. like, I think the understanding, like what the agent actually does is, is key. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's, the other aspect you touched on is like consistently building a style or an ethos. And you seem to have a very clear idea with the optimistic approach and the choice mm -hmm. of colors. What brought you to that path? You know, because style is another question <laughs> that artists yeah. constantly debate on. So yeah. what was your approach to style and finding your personal brand and putting that out there? I mean, I think the, yeah, the style kind of comes just by doing the work, you know, it's like, you can't, um, 
you can't prescribe a style for yourself. And um, for me, it was kind of like I was, you know, I was doing, I was like trying to focus my work on like positivity and like, cause I, I really respond to that stuff. And I'm, and I'm like a generally like really like optimistic guy, you know, that's just my personality. And like, I'm pretty like happy and, you know, I, and I'm blessed to feel happy and positive regularly. You know, I, I know that, that not everyone feels that way and that's fine too, you know, but this is who I am. And so I was, I, I've, I was trying to focus on putting myself into the work, you know, like, mm. and not in like this narcissistic way. Like I want to make all the work about me, which is fine, you know, but for me, it was like, I want to make work that I want to, I want to do things that are, that I feel and that I would say, but I want to do them in, <clears throat> in a way that resonates with other people. Yeah. And, and so, and I was also like, kind of, there was this trend happening in graphics. Um, this was maybe like 2015, but there was sort of this trend of like this, um, like kind of subtle holographic, like iridescent stuff that was happening yeah. in, yeah. in, um, in, in like graphic design. And it wasn't super saturated. It was like, and this was like in fashion too. There was a lot of it, but like, um, I kind of, I kind of realized, and I always follow like graphic design trends, but I, I kind of realized like, oh, there's this sort of like iridescent kind of wave of colors that are happening in, in graphics and fashion. And so I started kind of playing with that in my work just because I knew it was on trend, but I didn't like the pastel thing. Like mm. I wanted it to be more saturated because that felt right to me. And I, and I don't like, and in the messaging, I, I don't like the idea that like kindness or joy is like this passive thing. I want right. it to be this like electric thing, you know? Cause like, you know, the sometimes the world of like kindness or like positivity or quotes can be seen as like corny, you know? And yeah, I'm like, yeah. fuck that. Like, it's not corny. It's real shit that people <laughs> feel and that resonates. And I want to do it in a way that's like assertive and confident. And like, you know, it's like, I, I don't want it to be this like pastel, like dainty, happy thing. I want it to be mm -hmm. like, I'm in your face, like reminding you like, life is good if you make it good and let's go you know like yeah so, and, yeah that was kind of, yeah and it's a choice it. you know it's a choice to be bold yeah. a choice to be happy uh, well to be optimistic not necessarily happy but um yeah and i think those choices are bold choices so bold color should go with it so i, I totally yeah. vibe off that because i think we have very similar ethoses there with yeah. the the brightness yeah. of our color to of color palettes and the choice yeah. of messaging as well agreed and to me it says confidence you know i like mm. that like bold colors are very confident saturated colors to me feel very confident and i like things to be really kind of electric and so in doing that over the years like the style kind of found itself you know you keep doing the work and and the style kind of emerges you know and then also the style has to evolve like I feel like I look at my work from three years ago and and it's like nothing like what I'm doing now but big picture it still feels like me yeah. but it's like change you know and that's cool too yeah I think that's again a very important aspect the evolution of style with yourself so you're not stuck in one thing it's evolving with you as your taste evolves right mm -hmm. you know I didn't yeah. like what I liked 10 years ago. It's changed, you know, but there'll be some elements that are similar, you know? So, yeah. Well, and, and this is what I think is, is like really powerful about what we get to do is like, um, if you put yourself in the work, you know, like then it's like, what do people recognize in the work? What do they see in the work? They see you, you know? And so it's, it's less about a style and it's more like the people and, and that enables you to evolve and the work to evolve and the style to evolve because it's like, 
people know you as a human being, people know you or me or us, you know, and, and, and when they see the art, they see us. And so like, I, so that means like if in, you know, five years, I, I like different music or I have a new partner or whatever, like then all those things affect me and who I am and that mm. will go into the work. And so then people will recognize that, you know, and I, I think that's important to think about when you're, when you're doing work, like don't do work that looks cool do work that's meaningful to you. And so it's like, if you like, you know, plants and flowers and nature, like make work about that, you know, whatever, like put your heart into it. And and then that, that will help you to find the style. Yeah. And I think that's what differentiates portfolios as well. At least when I worked as an art director, that's what I used to pick up on is like the people who put on, put their personality into their work. It's very evident because it suddenly jumps out other than all the other, you know, others who are doing doing good work but it's just you know the personality is not there and you can tell that it's not there um yeah yeah so speaking of your work it, it comes in so many different mediums right you have a, a toy you have jewelry you have apparel tell us about your process of you know taking your art to these different mediums was it a conscious thought or was it like uh, orga organic evolution? Yeah, I, I mean, well, I'm kind of a yes person, like, I, you know, and so I, it's like I opportunities kind of like pop up and I'm like, oh, I want that. Like, I want to do that. Um, and so like the toy, the toy thing, like I was I was in L.A. a couple of years ago and um, I was looking for walls and I always get on social, you know, and I'm like, you know, who has a wall hit me up I'm, i want to paint you know whatever and somebody came like slid in my dms and was like hey we have a wall like you know if you want to come paint it like come check it out and and i get that so i'm like all right cool you know and i go i, I go check it out and it's this company called 3d retro and they they're like a toy manufacturer like vinyl uh, collectible you know figurines and stuff and um i get to their their building where they 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 have like a um like a backside and like a retail store as well. So I get to the, I get to the shop and um, their building is covered with murals and it's like all these big names like Tristan Eaton and like Nitro. So I'm like all, like all the big players, you know, um, had painted on this building and, and they're like, here's, you know, here's another spot. Like you can paint here. And I'm like, yo, like <laughs> I'm going to paint on this building with like all these, like, like some of my heroes, you know? Yeah. yeah. And um, so I'm like, hell yeah. Like I'll totally paint this. Um and then we start talking about the the vinyl figurines. They like they're showing me all like stuff that they do. And like some of the artists had like dropped um stuff with them recently. And like Tristan Eaton, for if you don't know him, um, he's a muralist, but also like a toy designer. And he did uh he did all the kid robot stuff years ago. And okay. so like the money and the dunny and all these famous vinyl collectibles that have kind of like made vinyl toys a thing, right? Like he created those. And so I'm like, oh, like you guys you, like you guys work with Tristan and like, and so the, and I'm like, well, how does one, I'm like, well, I want to, I want a vinyl toy. Like, how does that work? And they're like, well, we could do it with you if you want to do it. And I'm like, yeah, let's make it, let's make a, a vinyl figure of my little heart character. And they're like, yeah, totally. And they're like, um, we can do it with you, but like, it, you know, it takes a year or two to actually develop. And, and in that time, like what you should do is like, try to focus on building up the brand around this heart so that when we yeah. drop the character, like it's going to have some equity, you know, and people will know it and want it. And I, and I was like, at that point, I was like kind of leaning into this heart, like open heart thing that I was working on. And, 
the heart had become this sort of like icon or motif for like the messaging in my work. And it was all about like, open up your heart, um, open your mind and spread love. Right. And like, so the open heart had kind of become this symbol that I was using to sort of like, obviously like brand my, the theme in my work. Right. <clears throat> so then I, I did lean into that. I'm like, all right, cool. So I'm going to really focus on like making this open heart a thing. Right. And then when, so then, then the pandemic happened like the thing actually took like four years to finally happen. Like it took forever. And then finally the heart, like it was done and I dropped it last year. And like, and at that point, everybody knew that like, I mean, all my audience knew like open heart is this thing. Anyway, so long story short, like I, I kind of stumbled upon that just by trying to hustle up murals and, <laughs> and, and then being like, yes, like I want to, you know, I want to do that. And like the same thing with my book, like I have a, I have a book published and um, it's like similar to you. Like I have a book agent for that. And, and she actually hit me up and said like, oh, I like your work. You know, I like this mural or whatever that she saw. And she's like, have you ever thought about doing a book? And I was like, no, but yes, like I would love to do a book. And so then <laughs> it was me just being like, yes, like I'm down, let's figure it out. And, yeah, and yeah. so like you know, all the different things, I think you as an artist, like if you want to make money, you have to do all the things, you know, like yeah. it's, it's like you need to have even like in business, they would say this, right? Like, like diversify your income. Yeah. And, so, and, and so that's what we have to do. It's like, I think the best way to have a, have a, uh, like a satisfactory, like life and make rent and all that, you know, with your art, you got to have merch, you got to do a toy, you got to do NFTs, you got to like do digital, like you, the more you can do, um, I think the, the, the easier it is to have steady income. Yeah multiple streams of income is yeah. key because yeah. one, I'm one, not, I'm one not saying you like yeah sorry yeah like i'm not saying you like do like all these don't be an art director and a, you don't have to do all that you can just have your art you know but yeah. just put the art on anything and everything you can you know yeah i think those are two key things that you touched on number one is multiple streams of income and the second one is being open to saying yes and setting yourself up so those opportunities come. Because if you never start, then the opportunity can never be available to you. But if you start and you start creating the type of work that is good and consistent, like you said, Jason, then the opportunities start coming and knocking on your door instead of you knocking on theirs. And I think that is a lot to do with showing your ability to be credible and consistent with your work. Mm -hmm. Well, you touched yeah. on something right there, right? With uh, you spoke about NFTs, and I'd love to dive in a little more about that because <laughs> okay. it is a topic of controversy. So, like, yeah, what are your thoughts on it? You know, um, good, bad. What's your experience been? I mean, it's the NFT business is a tough business, and um, you know. Uh, if, like basically like without diving into like what is an nft i think yeah, yeah. you know for those who don't know what an nft is like do your research or whatever right but um the nft business is kind of based on um like speculative investment and so it's it's a little bit different than the art world and that people are not necessarily trying to collect pieces of art even though there is art attached to it i think nft collectors are more interested in the in the speculative investment that comes with buying the art you know mm. and so because of that, I think it's it, it requires you to spend like if you want to have success selling NFTs, you it kind of requires you to like invest your own time into like 
making yourself known within this very niche space, bringing attention to yourself and also like putting utility, utility into your work to where um, collecting a piece of your art as a digital file will have some sort of like um, increase or payout or, you know, or, or utility or value um, beyond just the art and its aesthetic and its message, you know? And so for me, it's a little bit tough because my work is not about utility or, you know, my work is about um, a specific theme, you know, and, and that particular theme doesn't seem to like align with this whole like money-driven investment kind of mentality. Um, Also, I really like public art. Like I like giving the art away in a way by doing it publicly, you know? So, so for me to do NFTs, like I, I have had some success. I've like, I've made some money selling NFTs and it's been fun. And I was kind of at the beginning of it. Like I started doing it in 2020. Um, But it's, it's a grind, you know? And it's, so it's like, I don't, I actually don't want to spend all my time, um, in this niche space, like on Twitter, like talking about crypto and NFTs. I like that stuff, but, but for me, like I actually would rather have a more diverse day. You know, I'd rather be some, some days I can be on Twitter talking about NFTs and they're, they're thereby trying to sell them. And other days I need to be out on the street painting, you know, and other days I need to be on my motorcycle, not doing anything creative, like thinking, you know, or whatever. And so, so for me, NFTs are like, you know, you got to do all the things, right? And NFT is part of that. But I'm not, I, I'm not um, deeply into it or like deeply invested in it. Yeah. And I definitely don't want to rely on Web3 and NFT stuff as my primary source of income, you know, because I think it's a very volatile way to do it. So, yeah. but yeah. definitely, it's definitely worth uh, exploring and being a part of for all artists. I mean, I think every artist should dip their toe in. Yeah. I I, I had... I suppose similar experiences in the sense that I realized very quickly that it's basically you you almost have to start building a brand again, like Mm -hmm. all the work, unless you're like super famous, all the work you've done outside of this niche space doesn't necessarily Mm -hmm. always convert. And so you then have to invest all that time on chat rooms or like, what was it? Clubhouse talking Mm -hmm. about art rather than making the art so so i was like you know that's not really where i want to invest my time at the moment and you know if in the long run opportunities present themselves i'm not opposed to it but it's not my focus at the moment yeah i hear that um it's definitely worth it's definitely worth um kind of understanding and you know everyone needs to decide like which of these channels are best for them like not not every artist or designer or illustrator needs to have a vinyl toy, you know, yeah. not every designer, graphic designer needs to try and do NFTs, but, it, but everybody I think should explore all the avenues and pick, pick as many as are a fit, you know? I'm definitely down for a vinyl toy, but that'll have to wait. <laughs> Dude, yeah. For you, like for your, for your illustrations, your characters, like it would, you, you could, you could make like, there's so much like sky's the limit for you to do that stuff. <laughs> And it's, you know, it's, 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 it's a, it's a challenging and interesting process to take mm-hmm. what you do on, like on a, on a flat, uh, 2D, basically to take what we do in 2D, right. And yeah, make yeah. it into 3D, even just to imagine it in 3D and then figure out how to communicate that to like a digital sculpt or something like it's, <laughs> it, it forces you to like think differently and it's great. It's a good challenge. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, yeah. Sticking to this inquiry on technology. 
Um, you recently had an opportunity to work on an AI piece. And this mm -hmm. is another subject of great controversy right now, mm -hmm. because a lot of people feel threatened by this idea of this robot that's going to steal their art jobs. Uh, I'd love mm -hmm. to hear your thoughts on it. Um, what's it been like working on it? What was your takeaways from it? Yeah, well, I'm glad you brought it up. It's been, it's like such an interesting topic and I love it. And uh, um, I did the piece, I did this piece with the One Club and they asked um, a bunch of artists to basically use AI to try and make a piece of our work, work right? And and then we talked about it and it's great. And the panel, if if you want to, if, if you're interested in like hearing the discussion about it, it's uh it lives on the one club website um so for those who like want to hear more about it but it was an interesting panel and and i'll i'll recap some of it but um basically you know for me the 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 task was like use ai and try and make the art right and and i couldn't do it like i couldn't get the art there you know like i made some cool shit you know and it was great and it was super fun yeah. but i had to then redo the entire piece of art and so like i learned that like I'm trying to hone like my prompt and like figure out how to communicate with this thing to like have it do what I want, but ultimately it, it didn't. And so it provided some assistance in a way, like it, I could totally use it to like get 70% of the way, you know, but I still have to remake the piece. So it kind of doesn't matter. Um, what I found though, my takeaway was that I, I don't, I don't think that we should feel threatened by AI. I think mm. we should embrace the technology and technology does create change and oftentimes change in the beginning uh, comes with resistance and fear and all these other things that are generally negative but over time the change the culture and the and the you know like we change with the technology and it and it it becomes uh, like life grows and we progress and it becomes better so for example like when the internet happened right like the internet <laughs> Did everybody love the internet or whatever? Yeah. Like when um, computers happened to graphic designers in mm. 1989, you know, like graphic designers did things with exactos and, you know, and it was a very different process. Right. Yeah. And then the computer happened and like Quark Express happened and like all, all these like things um, make life easier, make the job easier, make the job different, you know, and, and generally better. And AI in my experience will it's not going to replace people, you know, it's, it, it's going to be, it's going to change things, you know, like graphic designers, art directors may spend less time looking for references. And instead they may spend time on AI generating references, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And so it's like, I think there will be shifts and, and these shifts, some of them could be scary because change is scary. And some of them could be amazing. You know, in 10 years, we, we might be like, how did we ever live without this shit? You know? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I no, couldn't agree more. Yeah. No, like, uh, I totally agree with you. Because when we look back over history, just up to the 90s, you know, when digital art was just coming in, uh, the technology had evolved so that you could develop your art digitally. Uh, there was so much pushback from traditional artists because they're like, Oh, this is taking away from art. This isn't really art. Uh, but now, like 10, 20, 30, years later you're like oh it's it's a part of how we do things now it's it's industry standard and it makes life so mm -hmm. much easier and it doesn't really take away from the traditional art in fact sometimes it adds to it because you could you know quickly test out an idea digitally and then say okay now i don't have to waste my paint you know trying out this idea i can like clarify it 
in this digital medium and then take that to a large scale say a wall you know like a mural you can instead of like messing up on the wall and having to repaint it and spend all that money you can actually work out how you want it to flow and then apply that information on a larger scale and yeah i love that i mean dude i was thinking um like i i i, I want to do this i was speaking of the mural like i actually i, I want to um use AI and and make a piece, you know, and try and get it as close to my work as I can. But then instead of remaking it digitally, then I'm going to go paint it. Yeah. So then it'll, it'll still be like my, like, but the final execution will be nothing but like my own hands creating, but the, but the sketch and the plan will come from me just like talking with the AI, you know? And so <laughs> I'm, I'm going to do that. And then I was thinking I might, I might do that and then mint that the image of the mural and the AI as a layer and make an NFT, you know? Oh, that, that would be dope. Yeah. That, but I think cool. it's, I think it's like, we, we, we've got to embrace it. Like there's some, there's some interesting things that are going to happen. I think it's definitely great for ideation, if nothing else, like having worked as an art director, I'm like, is this going to save me so much on scamps? You know, like I can just put in some stuff and it'll generate it. And then you could just take that image and pitch it to the client and find an artist that can replicate that or do something yep. along those lines rather than having to like spend hours trying to find references. Yeah, no, exactly. I think, I mean, like for, for art directors, I, I think that it's going to be such a game changer. Like, cause working as an art director requires so much time, like pulling references, you know, and, and, and that whole process of like, finding the the perfect reference it's like girl on the go with an umbrella like in, <laughs> in central park or whatever you're like and then you're like trying to piece together all these references to tell the story and i think for art directors it's like you can make that in literally like a second yeah you know it's it's gonna be so good exactly exactly and i i think the other thing is with every technology you have to realize the technology comes from man and so it might automate some elements and maybe some tedious tasks will get taken off the job market. But as long as you can think, as long as you can, you know, solve problems, you'll always have some sort of job. That's, yeah. that's not a problem. And as an artist, if you are putting your personality into your work, there's nobody else who can be you. So, right. You know, there, yeah. There's only you who can make you. So there's no fear I totally there. Do. I love that. <laughs> I love that. No, it's so true. I mean, like, I think, I, I think the the fear, the fear that people have of AI um, replacing, um, maybe like less creative jobs, more task oriented jobs, you know, things like that. I, I can see that, that that that's a legitimate concern. I, I I personally am not concerned because I think with the evolution of, you know, with with new technology and with the evolution of the culture around it things change and new jobs, you know, like arise, others go away and new ones come, you know, so that's fine. But for creative people, I, I don't, I don't think any, any creative people should ever be threatened by, by the, by new technology, because like the, like creativity is such a special thing. And, and like a robot can, can't be you, like you said, like, and so we, as long as we have ideas, we'll always like be able to make money and like do, you know, do what we do. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Uh, so what what, do you, what are you hoping for the future? Do you have any specific plans, any projects that you're like super excited about? Um, yeah, man. I mean, I my hope for the future is that 
my general hope for the future for all of us is that things pick up a little bit, um, namely the economy and <laughs> so that we can, you know, that we can be a little bit busier. Um, I have, I have hopes of doing a uh, larger scale. I'm always wanting to scale up, you know? Yeah. So like I, the, I, I just, I, I've just been working on this mural. It's a 600 foot wall. Um, and I'm doing it in sections, you know, but I just did a hundred feet of this wall, which is really long. Wow. And, and, um, so when it's all done, like 600 feet will be this largest, the longest wall. Right. And then of course I have like the, the tallest building that I've ever painted was five stories. Right. And so mm. I'm like, I want to do more five-story buildings and then an eight story building and then a 12 story building, you know, like how do I get there? And then, so I, I I'm always trying to scale up and, 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 and for me, like the process of scaling up, like scaling the art up is like, I've, I'm not worried about that. I've mastered that. It's more like, how do I get the bigger wall? You know, how do mm. I get, how do I get the entire side of a building in Vegas or something? <laughs> and so like, I'm trying to grow into that, you know? Yeah. Um, but for what I have on the horizon, on the near horizon, um, I have a couple of murals in New York that I'm excited about uh, coming up. And then I have a, I have a brand uh, collaboration that I can't say who it is, obviously, but I have a. A, a, um, a project that it's gonna it's probably gonna take like a year for it to finish and actually come to be but it's with a beauty brand that I'm really excited about and doing some colorful stuff for this for this um, collab and I like working with brands um, I've I've had uh, I've had some good opportunities and like been blessed to work with interesting brands and it's a good fit for me generally because I uh, you know I, I find that brands reach out and want to work with me um, when they're doing something that aligns with, with what I'm doing. And so mm. it feels, good to, it feels good to like multiply the message. You know, it's, yeah. it's not just like, Oh, like make, make a colorful illustration for this thing. It's more like brands are often like, we're trying, we're doing a campaign that's focusing on kindness or something. And, and so we want to work with you because of what you're doing. And I think that goes back to what we were saying earlier about like putting yourself into the work and don't focus on style and aesthetic, focus on making art that comes from your own heart, you know, and, mm. and that's tick, you know, and brands, see that art directors see that like creative directors see that and 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 i think that's you know people often ask like how do you get work how do you do work with brands and i think it's it's more about like ha having having authenticity in your work and then and doing it consistently and people will notice art directors notice you know like yeah. we know because we both worked as an art director like you yeah. know when it, someone's doing authentic work and you want to work with them yeah yeah you vibe with their message and you feel like it's a good fit with the brand as well. That's actually like the ideal place you want to be as an artist or illustrator where they're coming to you for your message because it aligns with their brand. And, you know, yeah. that way you also have the largest bargaining chip because they've come to you for you. So you can negotiate <laughs> totally, <yeah>. that. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. And also it makes for the easiest process, mm -hmm. you know, when it's, when it's about a message, or an idea that's aligned it's the the creative decisions the aesthetic decisions and like the design decisions those things fall into place you know if if you're aligned on like the objective and the idea and the thinking and you know and when you when you work with a brand and, and you're talking about big picture like what are we trying to communicate and mm. we're like we're already communicating the same thing yeah. you know yeah, yeah. then doing the actual design work is easy you know 100 percent. 100 percent so like what what's one piece of advice you would give the next generation young aspiring creatives or just advice you might give your younger self um i mean i think the i think the biggest piece of advice is to like to, to consistently do the work 
you know, mm-hmm. you, and you know, for some people that means like do it like a daily, you know, like daily drawing, whatever. And I actually did that for a year and it was amazing. I, I turned out a piece every day and it, it, it's, that's a lot. It can be tiring. Like you don't have to put the pressure on yourself to make a new piece of art every single day. Yeah. But if you do the work consistently, the work will become consistent and you'll feel confident about it. So I think that's, you know, that's the, that's the general move is, is be consistent. And then also like, I, I'm a big proponent of like, believe in yourself and Mm -hmm. choose positivity and um, treat others with kindness and respect. And those things all contribute to like an overall positive feeling that you have within yourself. And when you feel good about yourself, it's easier to do the work, you know, it's like hard. And I, I know that's easy to say, you know, like they're, I'm very aware of like mental health and and I do a lot of work to support mental health. And, uh, you know, I'm aware that like not everyone is blessed to just like feel upbeat and happy, but there are silver linings. And mm. um, I, I'm not saying that you have to like feel confident or, or amazing or happy to do good work. Some people do their best work based on other things that they feel, you know? So I think consistency is the biggest part of it, but I would say that like believing in your, believing in yourself and and feeling confident about um, doing the work comes from doing the work. You know, it's like the more yeah. work you do, the better you feel about your work, and the more you can do. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. And and the last question that I always like to end with is, uh, what does the word fruitful mean to you? Oh, and we're back to the fruit. <laughs> okay, fruitful. I mean, I guess fruitful uh, feels like reward. Um, so I think, you know, there's a reward that comes from doing for me, like doing what I do. There's a lot of reward in making the work because it's enjoyable. Like, um, I, I love, I love using spray paint. Like it's such a, it's such a special tool for me and, and just executing the work is very, uh, satisfying and gratifying for me. And, and, and so the reward of the process is, is, is really big for me. Also, um, there's a lot of reward that comes from doing work that resonates with people, um, saying things or using messaging or themes in my work that people respond to often results in them messaging me or, or you know, like communicating with me that my work made them feel a certain way or mm-hmm. that it resonated and that they're thankful for it. And and that to me is a huge reward, you know, knowing that, that my work actually makes a difference in people's lives, like is the greatest reward, which is super fruitful, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. And, and, and finally, like, um, the reward of being able to like pay rent and and make a living, like doing, doing things that I love and that, that other people love and, and that are making the world a better place. Like that is a very like rewarding thing for me. So I think fruitful for me means the reward. Amazing. Thank you so much. Hey, and thank you all for listening to this episode of The Fruitful Life. I hope you walk away with some nuggets of wisdom. If you did, please do me a favor and leave a rating and a comment to tell me what you think of this show. Also consider telling a friend that might like it. As always, be true, be you, stay fruitful.